0: Who is it that I aspire to be? That is the question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. What kind of person am I?
1: Hey guys, welcome to Lemons, a podcast about moments that have changed your life for the better or the worst. My name is Jasmine Duenas and I'm your host. On today's episode, I talk to Sebastian, a fellow podcaster and creative in the film industry. To both of us, Mental illness is an interesting film topic, and one that may hit a little too close to home for him. It's a pretty heavy episode to unpack, so without further ado, let's get into it. You're a filmmaker, and I'm a filmmaker. So what do you think about the way film portrays mental illness?
0: I would say that for most film students out there, film students like to... I guess more more so indie films, and obviously indie films and student films go hand in hand usually. Whenever mm-hmm. students get their hands on, you know, more expensive equipment that film schools provide, they immediately want to go out and make something that's been, and I quote, bothering them, or something that's mm-hmm. that, or something that's been on their mind lately, because that's just what most people want to do, right? Most people, most directors, most writers everyone wants to do projects that are based off of something that's about them in a way
1: yeah you know what honestly like most of the time when I hear people talking about like their next project or their passion project it's always it always has to do with something super personal and it like it's crazy and I wouldn't say a lot of them like would pertain to like mental illness or like struggling or something like that but it's more like a life experience and i think it's super crazy like everybody's passion project is so selfish in a way like it's like their own story
0: yeah absolutely because i mean by the end of the day most people you know yeah. you know since we're most most uh late teens to early adults They still like to feel that, uh, this is going to sound pretty mean, but uh, they like to believe (laughs) in sound. They want to feel as though they're still the center of the world in some sort of way, which is not a bad thing in itself, you know? Right, right. You know, we want to recapture that youthful feeling of feeling so grand and important when there's so Mm -hmm. many things happening in the world, there's so many people in the world, it's so easy to lose track. And so therefore, Mm -hmm. we're just desperately trying to cling on to that, you know, little light of hope. You know, something that we used to have when we were little. Because I certainly have a lot of fond memories when I was younger. And nowadays, I am referring so much to stuff from my younger youth, I would say. So I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, like, I'm guilty of the same thing. I'm guilty of wanting to retell some story of something that happened to me in the past. So
1: I think on but those are those tend to be the best stories, don't you? They are are stories from like our childhood. I there's a lot of times where I like draw from like people I knew when I was younger and draw from like, places I've been and how I remember them then versus like how I remember them now because everything just seems so like crazy and unique when you're like younger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if and since um that's a blatantly shoot down big corporate Hollywood studios even though there's a lot of things wrong with them and to be perfectly honest, <laughs> I would much rather stick with indie productions than than then go into big corporate uh filmmaking because there's a lot more restrictions and there's a lot more guidelines for corporate stuff. You know, they just nine times out of 10, most things that people want to talk about get shot down because it's too, and I quote, it's too edgy. You can't talk about that. That's, that's (laughs) absurd. That's, that's preposterous. No, no audience member, no, no demographic group would ever watch this. Get out of here. But when you're a film student, you know, no one, when you're so young and you know, you, you have such a small production team behind any project, like, who's going to be there to stop you from making it nobody like you have Mm -hmm. so much more freedom and so much flexibility as a film student that you want to go ahead and make something about suicide about mental illness go right ahead man everyone's going to condone it and people are going to love that people Mm -hmm. are going to people are going to respect that you know Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah i can definitely agree with that i think i now this is not to say that you're not that that you're not correct with big industries but i think that there's definitely a big change coming i mean if you look at movies like oh man It's that silver linings playbook like that movie, I believe, was made by a a bigger movie studio. And that touches on, you know, BPD very, very accurately, I would say. And it won tons of Oscars. So the way I see it is like the reason why so many companies like push that narrative or that agenda away um, for so long was because uh, people were really uncomfortable with talking about it. But since I would say since like twenty sixteen, um, the movie corporation has been moving toward showing more accurate depictions of what mental illness is.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's fantastic. There is certainly a bigger wave of <laughs> I just wanna I'm just gonna refer to them as uh edgy films. There's certainly a bigger <laughs> push of edgy films coming into big studios, which I think is mm-hmm. great. I'm all for it. You know, there's still you know, there's certainly still very number you know. They're still limited, but you know, I'd say progress in in a in a saturation variety of in that marketplace is certainly on its way, and it's been on its way. It, no, it's here. It's it's still it's building up right now as we're speaking.
1: When I was younger, I remember seeing people who suffered from depression and suffered from mental illness just being depicted as like these super crazy people. And then when you grow up and you realize, oh, like I have this illness or I have this condition you realize like it's not at all like it's depicted in the movies but a lot of the times when I was younger and I had first like figured out oh this is like what's wrong with me I used to like kind of like almost adapt to what the movies would show like how I it it was almost like they were showing me how I was supposed to act with this illness which I think is super damaging so did you, like, experience any of that? Like, kind of like – I don't want to say dysphoria when it comes to, like, knowing what your illness is, but, like, dysphoria when it comes to knowing what your illness is, you know?
0: I'd say – I honestly – um, even though I grew up watching a lot of movies, mostly from my parents is the reason why I really got into films, but um, most – my parents, and as well as the movies I watched growing up, never – depicted or never portrayed any sort of mental illness so I didn't really get an idea of what mental illness was until you know when I was in my middle to late stages of high school back when I was starting to feel something certainly interesting (laughs) upon upon my actions I would feel something different and something a little more bizarre hence why I would start opening up to my parents about that therefore I would be more interested and drawn to more and I quote edgy films Mm-hmm. that portrayed this way because i just didn't want to feel alone in that matter
2: mm-hmm.
0: so so technically um i was quite late to the game you could say i was quite late <laughs> to the i was quite late to the depression and anxiety uh, game you could say
1: so how old were you when you first started like feeling that way mm, like
0: just turning like like maybe like late 15 turning 16
1: oh wow that's fucking crazy it's
0: late i I don't know if it's late or if that's considered um average age but um i was such a but the the reason why it was so noticeable and so impactful to me was because even my parents could acknowledge this especially my mother because i grew up mostly with my mother i was Mm -hmm. such a very happy and hyperactive i mean i'm still hyperactive you know (laughs) i'm certainly still very bombastic and very expressive with how I talk all the time. I've always been that way. But I was certainly a very like, you know, I was certainly way more over the top and cheerful as a child. So Mm -hmm. when I started showing episodes and moments where I was the exact opposite of that very quiet, very reserved, very, Mm -hmm. you know, appearing very glum and gloomy, like more than half the time that certainly stuck out as a, you know, like as like a sore thumb towards myself and towards my parents. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: when all that was finally happening around the time that i was um sophomore year of high school i would say that's around the time basically like when i was going from a sophomore to a junior in high school so 15 Mm -hmm. 16 was
2: well
1: i mean for me i kind of like like i i would say i was like a fairly happy kid you know i grew up playing outside you know i was the definition of trailer trash when i was younger so i was just running around and acting crazy all the time um but I think deep down I kind of knew like I was not fully like correct up there, <laughs> you know. So
0: I felt that definitely. I've certainly I've certainly been in that trace before. I mean, the biggest ah oh, man, I'm trying to recall. Was it like the moment where? Mm, I'm having such a hard time flourishing there. So I'm trying to remember <laughs> the first moment where I would feel oh shoot, there's something off. Is when. you know, I'm sure this is just going to sound like textbook, you know, the textbook stuff you would read like in a psychology class or any other profession or or physician that would tell you or neurologist would tell you when the the first instance where the things that usually used to make me happy were no longer getting me as excited as a as I used to when I was younger.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And no matter what I was doing, it seemed that no matter what kind of goals or activities I was attempting to achieve, it didn't seem to bring me any more fulfillment and any more enjoyment for that matter. I just ended up dreading certain activities, most activities at my high school, mm-hmm. which is odd because again, take a child who's very cheerful to experiment with so many things that you know their environment has to offer. Ergo mm-hmm. school, because most, most, most children, most people, most humans under 18 spend a majority of their life in a you know in an educational system like school when you're when you're no longer a child or a person who appears to be enjoying and appears to be enthusiastic about whatever the school program has to offer Mm. there's certainly something wrong and I feel I feel the biggest challenge is is taking that first approach to admit that there's something off and you need to attempt to fix it in any way possible
1: oh man Yeah, definitely. I think there was, like, a lot of things about my, like, diagnosis and what was wrong with me. But, you know, I guess it was kind of hard. But I don't You see, it's so weird to talk about because, like, you can never actually, like, pinpoint where you're like, oh, that's where I was, like, fucked up. Because it's always been there, but it's just something that you didn't really notice until you got older. And dare I say, like, when I don't know if it's just me, in my fucked up high school but it was almost like a trend to be fucked up in your head you know mm-hmm. it was a trend but it, it was looked down upon at the same time like everybody wanted to be fucking crazy but nobody wanted people to know that they were fucking crazy
0: yeah that's <laughs> yeah no that's actually pretty straight on and i feel like as the more time passes we're both the same age right we're both 20 are you 20? i'm 20 i'm 21 okay okay. Oh, okay wait so you were class of 2017
1: Yes, no, twenty eighteen. I graduated December twenty seventeen, but I walked May twenty
0: eighteen. Oh, interesting. Okay, because I graduated. Yeah, so I was past twenty eighteen. So I'm twenty right now. Uh, so around the time when I was starting to feel that edgy stage was twenty. You know, the end of twenty, the end of two thousand fifteen. Certainly, the early two thousand sixteen. I would say. Um. Yeah yeah it's certainly yeah just like you said it's it was dope af to be (laughs) the edgy kid but no one wants to be friends with the edgy edgy kid
1: kid. yeah that's exactly oh my god it couldn't have been put any better yeah god
0: so that's what that was the impression i was getting back then but to be honest i stopped uh, a big reason why i was so frustrated with myself was because I no longer was caring what other people thought of me because by the time I was entering high school, I mean, to be honest, growing up, I never really cared what other people thought of me or what pe- people think of me. I never exactly, mm-hmm. I never did things to appeal to appeal to a mass audience or to, a, to fit in, in a way. I always stuck with whatever I enjoyed doing. Hence why, hence what makes me quirky and quite weird to most people. I acknowledge oh that and I embrace that. I know I'm unorthodox. I know I'm a rather, again, with my bombastic and outspoken persona, people just naturally are either drawn away from me or they draw to me, whatever. I'm fine with either. The biggest, reason, The biggest thing that upset me so much was that I still just didn't like myself. But not because nobody liked me. I just naturally just didn't like myself no matter what I would do
1: hmm Isn't that so weird?
0: Sort of self-loathing, basically. <laughs> it is.
1: It's so weird. And you <sighs> yeah. and you know that it's different from like normal teen angst. Like when I was younger and you know, I started like I guess you could say like my illness really started revving up, you know, like I couldn't even sometimes I would wake up um because I had band, I was a band kid. So I had zero periods. So I'd wake up at like five AM every day. And I would, like, go to the bathroom to look at myself. And I just, like, I couldn't even look at myself. Like, I would look down at the sink, like, the whole time I was getting ready. And I always thought that was so weird because other girls at my school would be like, oh, I fucking hate myself. But, like, they would go to school all, like, dressed up and dolly and beautiful. And I was sitting there, like... I actually hate myself. <laughs> like yeah, i I mm-hmm. don't even have the energy to like get ready and look decent. That's cool. Like I look like a bum, <laughs> you know
0: no, dude, yeah, I've been there i I mean, I'm still in the practice of attempt of attempting. I'm still in the practice of taking better care of myself mm-hmm. back in high school. you know, I never watched how much I slept. I never watched what I ate. Simple little things like that who can just either benefit and help you feel better or they can just add on and make you feel worse. Mm -hmm. it's one or the other there's really no in between (laughs) so obviously since you know like most high schoolers most most growing most most of the time most people that are growing and developing they really you really don't have to watch exactly what you eat or really how much you exercise unless you have actual oh cute dog is barking but There's you. you really don't have a big reason or a motive to take care of yourself because your body is naturally growing and developing and changing therefore your metabolism just allows you to just get off on eating and sleeping in ways that is just not possible unless you really really just don't care making yourself feel like absolute shit when you're older
1: and nobody really thinks about the consequences of that when they're doing it like with me i used to be like Like, I used to binge eat. Like, I would be up at all hours of the night. And at, like, 3 or 4 o'clock on the dot, I would make, like, this big-ass, like, pot of rice. And then I wouldn't eat until I got home from uh, school the next day. Mm -hmm. And then I just, like, eat a little bit. And then at, like, 4 and 5 in the morning, I would just eat, like, these humongous amounts of food. Like, to the point where, like, I was staying up to do that shit on purpose. And I was like, why am I like doing this, you know? It was so weird. Like I think back to like doing that and I'm like, man, like I was really manic and nobody even like knew what was going on. I was just hella manic. Like I was up all hours of the night watching animes, running around, painting, drawing, doing all of this shit. And it would last for like a good three or four months. And then I would just be done. I would go to bed at like six o'clock and then I wouldn't be eating and stuff like that. Like it was crazy.
0: Yeah I <laughs> I think I started skipping breakfast at a certain point in time in high school and I would only eat what the school would offer and you know most most uh, high schools you, even though I went to a private stuck-up schnobby um rich you know like one of those you know one of those rich kids schools that you know have stuck-up uniforms and Mm -hmm. A system that overall wants to treat everyone as equal, but they really don't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just relied on just eating at school most of the time, and it wasn't a healthy diet either. So in the end, I'm surprised I I wasn't more overweight when I was uh, in high school.
1: Mm -hmm. Would you say overweight? But I was like under. That's so crazy. Like we had, I guess you could say like, that's weird because I was eating. I feel like I was probably eating more than you when I was in school. Like for high school and middle school and stuff like that. And you say that you were worried about being overweight. But I was at the lowest weight I had ever been. And I thought I was like humongous. So I was worried about being like overweight. But everybody else was worried about me being underweight. So do you think like maybe you had body dysmorphia due to maybe like an illness that you had? Or was it just like you could see yourself gaining weight?
0: I mean, I have, I mean, to be honest, I never paid attention to whether I was actually gaining weight or if I was, again, you know, I I didn't really care or bother to know what I was looking like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would just get up and just go to school, come back, rinse, repeat without ever really taking a look in the mirror. I would just, whatever. I would just slog my way through the, through most days in my junior and senior year Mm -hmm. and just eat whatever I want. So that's the only moments I could look back on of me officially documenting my my figure you could say was just knowing everything I ate that's it <laughs> so it was because of that though that was uh it, it it certainly didn't help uh when I had a you know probably i, I guess this, this could be a smooth transition up to the to probably like the worst uh you know my worst moments or moment singular perhaps uh, in my high school days is when so here's the build up. I could give the whole timeline story actually cuz it's still pretty fresh in my memory, which is mm-hmm. that's pretty good. <laughs> so
2: uh,
0: it's not I mean it, it's not pleasant, but you know, it's good. It's you know, it, it's thorough character development, I would say, you know, like looking back on it now, I'm like, "Oh man, this is some character development. This is stuff that's made me who I am today. This is so great. I'm so glad this all happened. I wouldn't have had it any other way." But I'm sure the person back then would have been like, "What's going on? Why is this happening to me? I hate this. I'm gonna look. I'm I'm probably not even gonna be alive in the future to look back to this at this rate. <laughs> but obviously, I'm here today, so it all worked out for the. Actually, hang on. Let me let me let me catch my tongue there. Maybe it didn't work out for the best, but it certainly could have went worse. <laughs> there we go. I'll say I'll say that instead.
1: So are we talking just so just so me and the audience can be sure of what's going on? Are we talking about like maybe like a breakdown that you've had?
0: Certainly. I've had multiple breakdowns throughout high school. I haven't had one in maybe over maybe like just over two years. So I haven't had my last breakdown since like the end of like literally like like around my graduation time back in spring of 2018. Mm -hmm. Um but if I want to, so, okay, so if we're tracking back, since I started feeling unmotivated and feeling unfulfilled in everything I was doing in the middle of my sophomore year, so this was the end of 2015 and beginning of 2016. Um, Growing up, since middle school, I attempted to be that, you know, that A plus type student, the student that would overachieve and do so many things in high school, I was doing multiple things, I was trying to play sports, I was also in extracurricular stuff, like, band. you know, I was also in my school orchestra as a percussionist, I would, And I would attempt to do multiple, you know, um, high ranking classes, not because (laughs) here's also like, this is the only case where I was doing something to sort of be better than other people. I wanted to, I wanted to tell myself and prove to myself, not, you know, no one else remember just to myself that I am better than everyone. And I deserve to have everything more than everyone in the world because I'm putting so much more effort and so much more time, sweat and tears into this whole, into all of this. So when you don't get the results that you expect, hint, hint, that's how life mostly works most of the time. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Most
0: things don't go according to plan. You just Mm got to get used to that. Back then, you know, a little 15, 16 year old me and most kids, they don't understand that that's how life works. Sometimes you expect that if you actually put in effort, some things, things, things have to go your way. There's no other way. Otherwise the universe would implode. There is no other way that this, that there could be any sort of different outcome. This is the only way that this can happen. Guess what, man? When I was when I was started when I was beginning to struggle with these advanced classes. So I actually remember exactly my schedule in my sophomore year. So my sophomore year schedule was consisted of high school. I mean, I mean the ones that really took a lot of a uh, time time away. You know that the ones that really stuck out to me was of course high school orchestra, mm-hmm. AP World History, or most students called it called it WAP because that was just a, an easy abbreviation for it. Mm -hmm. um honor honors chemistry class so not only was it just regular chemistry we have an honors program I'm sure most you know I'm sure most other schools have have those programs also where they have advanced placements and honors classes and I also had Mm -hmm. pre-calculus so this those were the big ones in in my sophomore year a lot more than I would a lot more and a lot more heavy than I would than I would suggest and recommend for most sophomores to take Mm-hmm. Um, because I actually did a I did some programs over like the previous summers to get ahead because again mm-hmm. I just wanted to be better than everyone else I wanted to prove Ugh. to myself that I am <laughs> better than everyone else no one else deserves to have this more than I do Blah. yeah
1: I was exactly the same you're saying all of this and I'm like dude why was that me like I literally all honor classes everything just all the say- way up and then um at the beginning of my no it was midway through my sophomore year i literally got put into this thing called academy and it was for like students who wanted to like advance through school and graduate early and i literally okay. was like i'm gonna do this shit as a like, fuck you to everybody because i'm smarter than all of you like <laughs> i was the same way so i'm sitting here like that's fucking insane to me like it you were like we the both. same way
0: yeah as soon as we it, it seems we were both just filling our oats
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were assholes
0: <laughs> no dude i was but i was certainly a lot more passive with it but so when i began to finally start to struggle when, when i was starting to struggle with it and i actually did find out like right before you know like most schools we have finals most schools have finals um, where you take final testing before the end of uh, you know uh, right before you take your christmas break and right before you end the school year mm-hmm. i found out that because of how I didn't do poorly, you know. I wasn't doing poorly, but I didn't but the quote that I I remember telling myself back then was I didn't do good enough to, to you know to remain in those advanced placement programs for the fall, you know, for my following junior year. So I found out around the holiday season of my sophomore year and I was absolutely devastated. Mm-hmm. I found out that I didn't do good enough to continue on with those classes the following year.
2: Oh. My plans,
0: my plans for the next 2 years of my high school to then get into an Ivy League, possibly college, have been tarnished mm-hmm. just because <laughs> just because I tried my hardest and still didn't see the results I wanted? Wait, mm-hmm. what? That's not how that's supposed to work. Wait, what's going on?
2: Mm-hmm. Wait, what?
0: What is this? That's I was exactly... the same
1: way. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is like fucking deja vu. Because yeah, I, I, I scored high on the SATs. Like super high on the SATs. But I forgot to take the ACTs, which Uh is like what they use scoring wise for. um, What is it called for the East Coast? We're on the West Coast. We're in California. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go to school on the East Coast. I wanted to go to New York for school. And I forgot to take the fucking ACTs. And I I had it in my head that I wasn't going to get into NYU if I didn't take the ACTs. So like. Literally, 17-year-old me was like, the world is fucking over. I can't go to my dream school. I'm not going to college anymore. <laughs> it was so it was a, weird.
0: A good news flash, man. You don't um you don't really need to go to college. <laughs> it's so there's so many ways. I mean, that's a whole other topic for a whole other time, I think. We can mm-hmm. get onto that on another session, perhaps, but <laughs> there's so yeah, many definitely. ways. There's so many ways, dude, to just make a living and make an education you don't need mm-hmm. you You don't necessarily you, need college i, I feel like the modern education <laughs> is something that's failing us to be honest <laughs>
2: yeah
1: i for me like i love my school my school is a cool school you know yeah. they they do their best with what they got i feel yeah. like and it's very and they, small yeah got yeah for the size
0: yeah for the small size they certainly do a lot yeah
1: yeah but if i would have known all of the like business tricks and shit that i i know now i wouldn't have went to college because you don't need them you really yeah. like and whoever's listening if you're still in high school go to college <laughs> learn that lesson by yourself because college is worth it
0: but yeah it is I would say it's
1: it's more worth it for the experience rather than the education yeah. we'll just say it that way
0: you won't find out if college is good for you or not until you go to college i think that's the best That's the only that's the only and best way to get that wake up call or to get that update in life to know if this is going to work for you. Just go out and do it and see how you feel about it, basically.
1: Yeah, 100 percent.
0: Don't guess, you know, don't just guess it and assume. Just do it and then find (laughs) out for yourself.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you obviously I don't I've I've known you pretty much since you went to the college that we go
0: to. First quarter. Yeah, my first quarter was summer 2018. I remember meeting you.
1: Yeah, and. I feel like so did you have this big experience in high school that kind of made it okay for you to go to a smaller college like the college that we go to or um, was it just a decision that you made by yourself I mean like without the experience to be like oh, okay that's fine
0: <laughs> I mean uh, ending high school I honestly only applied to like five local colleges the mm-hmm. furthest one was in, like, Malibu. No, it wasn't Malibu. I think the closest one was... Uh... Oh, my cute dog's barking. <laughs> no, my... I think so, actually. The, the, the farthest college I think oh. I actually applied to was in Malibu. <laughs> so that's really not that far at all. I wanted mm-hmm. to stay local because... I already knew that I wanted to pursue a career in filmmaking, even if I was going to be studying something else in college, I knew that I was going to keep that filmmaking, you know, that filmmaking dream job in mind in the back of my head, even it didn't occur to me to just straight up go to film, film, you know, film, film school, instead of just taking a film, you know, instead of taking a film program at a regular college that teaches lots of other curriculums, mm-hmm. commit to a full film film school college until literally like the month I graduated, actually. So mm-hmm. it was very last minute and very last resort, you can say. Mm-hmm. i don't regret it though i think overall like i think i made the right decision and i feel good right now
1: that's good yeah it's it's always better to feel good
0: i mean so flashback to when i wasn't feeling good going back to so we're now in early 2016 no no no. here let's uh let's fast forward a little more um so towards the end of my sophomore year in spring 2016 i was getting prepped for the final testings I already knew that I wasn't going to be able to, to to continue on with advanced placement programs for my school the following year. So I picked I already picked my classes I wanted, you know, just general education that a majority of students would usually take. Mm-hmm. I felt absolutely defeated. I felt absolutely pathetic. So, but I still tried my best to just at least finish off strong. Um surprise surprise, I ended up just doing mediocre because <laughs> because I was so convinced in my headspace that i'm just a mediocre human being in this mm-hmm. education system that i don't deserve to do any better anymore
2: mm-hmm.
0: i was so easily shot down by my own expectations mm-hmm. <laughs> that literally that what what, what happened that summer? what did i do that summer i don't remember oh i do remember <laughs> i do remember i went into a i went into a rather uh toxic relationship
2: <laughs> oh which, is my not the, which is not
0: the best thing for someone who's already defeated and discouraged in what they want to do with their life mm-hmm. so when you, when, when you get yourself into so when you're at a point in your life where you just feel so bad about yourself and so shitty about yourself
2: mm-hmm.
0: this isn't anyone's fault you know I, I'm not going to go out there and blame the other person I was with for a very 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 short amount of time Um. Mm-hmm for what you know for how I was acting because I was certainly acting like a again I was acting just like a self-loathing piece of shit so when you're that way all the time like I was for that brief moment you know for like the first half of summer 2016 when I was with Mm -hmm. this person this person clearly was like hey you're not what I was expecting I was expecting someone more cheerful someone you know someone who who's known me the previous year and a half or so Mm -hmm. which is the reason why they were into me in the first place But they but they weren't aware of the change I was going through during that time, you know, during that sophomore year where I was growing into a more cynical and a more uh, sarcastic, dry sense of humor person, you could Mm -hmm. say. So when that person started to come out more and more, this person was clearly like, oh, abort. No, like, no, this is not going to work. You're not you're not the person I wanted. Like, like, who is this person? Who is this? Who's this asshole? Basically,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, so we certainly had that big fallout, and that certainly wasn't a good uh, shot to my self esteem. You can say it would; it only convinced me more that I was just not worthy of anything, and that I was just a pathetic waste of life. Basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was so going into summer twenty sixteen. That's exactly how I felt. I took mm-hmm. some time off from everything, social media, hanging out with friends. I. The, and this is still a gross practice I'm getting over right now where I need to stop um, isolating myself when I'm in a moment where I feel completely discouraged and completely distraught in everything in my life. Even if mm-hmm. there really is nothing that much or even worth getting upset over in my life. That's just how much of a total drama king, I guess you could say, you can call me.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, when over the summer, I completely took everything off i didn't pay any attention to any more educational stuff i didn't pay attention to really hanging out with that many friends only you know like only like a very small a limited amount of people that i would spend time with mostly childhood friends that i know you know who mm-hmm. can always be there to support me no matter how much i change you know mm-hmm. so now going to, so now so that was what happened summer I would say for that second half of summer, it was a great recovery phase where, I, you know, like I was starting to feel better. You know, like I certainly wasn't back on the horse again, you could say, but I certainly wasn't in that pit anymore. I was certainly making, I was certainly digging my way out one way or another. Mm-hmm. So when I finally got out, beginning of junior year, it was, uh, what happened junior year? I was... Did I go through another? I mean, junior year is when the big one happened. I'm just going to call it the big one. Uh, <laughs> junior year is when I was like, okay, well, I have blind expectations now starting this school year. I don't know what I'm going to be doing with my life now. So I might as well just go with the program, go with what every other student is going through and at least just get through these next two years of high school, whatever. I could figure out what I want, you know, as you know, close to graduation, whatever let's just take the time this junior year to just be just to just stick with the crowd and just lay low basically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was quite the opposite. I had, I ended <laughs> up having the biggest breakdown because let me recall, I'm not going to drop any names because <laughs> I'm still, so I had a big, so that cynical asshole was certainly still, if anything, no, that cynical asshole was growing. Mm-hmm. In the back of my head still. I'm not gonna go out here, geez Louise, the way I'm wording this is, is, is the, the way I'm wording <laughs> this, it's like I'm saying I have like a multiple personality disorder. No, I I do not. I never had anything like that. I'm not claiming I have anything like that, nor am I claiming I understand anything about it. But I mm-hmm. certainly had that cynical asshole persona that would come out whenever I was feeling my in my worst mood.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like most, you know, I'm sure most teenagers can relate to that statement. But mm-hmm. I had an ultimate falling out with probably the last remaining. I mean, wait, actually, no. it was a small school I went to small private school. So like, like you know, everyone knew everyone, but obviously everyone had their own designated groups that they always spent their time with during their free times. Mm-hmm. Um, the group that I was hanging out with, you know, that I started hanging out with back in like freshman year, I think even I was starting to have that cynical asshole push a, you know, force a wedge in between, basically claiming that. I don't need anyone, you know. Here, here again, filling my own oats to fulfill this cynical persona, saying I don't need anybody else. I want to suffer on my own and crash on my own, basically. Mm-hmm. But I'm still better than you. <laughs> but I'm gonna crash and burn
1: mm-hmm. in the end, still. I'm but I'm crash still, and burn but I'm, better than you.
0: I'm gonna crash and burn, but I'm still gonna be better than you. That's basically <laughs> what <laughs> it was. So toxic. I absolutely despised, even during like. I despise how I was to them, but I would mm. also, but at the same time, I would also 180 and blame And I blatantly blamed them for not helping me basically for not helping me feel better. But then in the end, I had a, con- a good confrontation with the ex because the ex was actually in that friend group. And so they were, she, her, she um, her in particular was very, she in particular, her in particular, I don't know the grammar. Um, them in particular they were straight up brutally honest with me and saying hey you're being you're being an asshole why are you treating us like this like and then that would only piss me off even more so therefore I would drive that wedge even harder basically between us so in the end it was just clear that I didn't belong with them I was it wasn't good for either of us for me to remain in that friend group but it was that moment where I realized shit the only group of people who I thought would have accepted me and w- and could have helped me with this. Mm-hmm. Now I-, I did this. I completely drove this wedge between myself and them, and that's when I had my big breakdown in January of 2017, in the middle of my junior year. I was with my mother. We were having we were having dinner out in a shopping area, whatever. I just went on my phone, looked on social media, and I would just see you know they were all hanging out together they were all being happy they were all enjoying themselves out having dinner somewhere and it just reminded me on how i think i'm officially just booted <laughs> i think i'm officially now just an outsider to them
2: mm-hmm.
0: now i'm officially on my own to deal with this because of me mm-hmm. and then there and then from there i had a massive breakdown in that parking lot with my mom And obviously, any mother that would see their child have a complete breakdown, you know, in complete tears and shaking and having a hard time breathing, most mothers would immediately panic, will start panicking themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what my mother did. She began to panic herself. And she was attempting to go look for other people to help out, you know, like any strangers out there in the parking lot that could help us because... Since we were on a parking lot and we were next to a, we were next to a, a busy, you know, six lane main streets with lots of cars. I was considering and I was getting prepared to do the action of running onto the street
2: mm-hmm.
0: because I was just miserable and I just really wanted to just not exist in that moment. It was. That moment where she grabbed my arm and saw me from running on the street and I turn around and see her face. Mm-hmm. Seeing her absolutely horrified. That kind of sat me back into it. And I stopped and realized what I was doing. And that, that calmed me down. I mean, that not exactly calmed me down, but that at least stopped me and had me kind of come back to reality and be like, what am I doing?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then obviously we went back and, you know, we went into a local shop. And then from there, she wanted to, you know, in order to help her calm down. At that point, I knew I wasn't gonna do anything to myself after seeing her face. But, you know, you know, it's completely logical and reasonable for my mother to still be in a state of panic and belief that I'm just Mm -hmm. lying and that I still want to hurt myself. So in order to help calm her down and just to take a break from everything and just to escape everything from my life, I agreed to, okay, let's call nine one one. Let's just take a trip to the hospital, whatever hospital they're going to take us to. Because I think we were like in the city of, I think we were in Northridge. I don't know where we were exactly, but and by the end of the night, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just wanted an escape from everything. So I was fine. I was willing and I volunteered to get put into a certain branch at the North. I don't even remember which exact hospital. I just know it was in the city of Northridge. It might have been just official Northridge hospital, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um ambulance truck showed up. I got into the back seat with my mom there, still in a state of panic. Um, By the time we were, you know, brought us to a waiting room area where they had many patients like in medical beds and such. Um, By the time, man, we stayed there like all night before I officially got moved to a certain branch section of the building Mm -hmm. where where they had just high school, you know, other high schoolers just sitting and living you know being fed and being you know and being able to sleep and such kind of like you know just like how you see in those movies but less you know nothing scary you know nothing nothing like scary or disgusting it looks it was Mm -hmm. it was quite polished it was clean it was like any other part of the hospital but there was still a certain emptiness feeling definitely that's something i guess most movies and television shows want to match that emptiness feeling that's in those facilities and yeah I do suppose they nail that feeling because that's exactly what I was feeling that whole night they had me you know they wheeled me in on a wheelchair there's nothing on my legs I don't know why they wheeled me in on a wheelchair but whatever it, it was relaxing mm-hmm. um, they had me fill out some forms they explained to me what they would be doing you know just giving me a daily dosage of my medication that I was already taking mm-hmm. um and just doing a daily survey basically on where they have a therapist come in to check up on the people that are also admitted into that facility so i agreed to stay there i agreed to say i only thought i was going to stay there only for one night just to call my mother down and to you know to let her know hey i'm fine i'm somewhere safe nothing's going to happen to me Mm -hmm. upon the next day of staying there I cried to myself to sleep that night, just at the ridiculous, just at the absurdity of everything that was happening. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) All of this didn't hit me until I was like just laying alone. I was actually here. Here is something that's quite funny in the long. I was the only male that was in that whole facility area.
1: What?
0: (laughs) So therefore, I had my own room, basically. You know, it had multiple beds. It was a big room. You know, a big long stretch of rooms with rows of beds. I had Mm -hmm. just a designated bed to myself. And Mm -hmm. I got myself to sleep because I just knew, you know, no one else can hear me. I could just be by myself. And all of that just didn't hit me until right then and there when I was laying in bed. I'm like, wow, this is this is rock bottom. This is what I'm doing. This Mm -hmm. is where I'm at now.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible, but certainly, you know, like. It's more just, again, like like the whole thing. It's just a psychological thing that was with me. I was just mm-hmm. convinced and telling myself over and over again how pathetic and worthless I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So upon the next so I ended up staying in that facility for about four to five days, maybe almost a week even. Uh, so we would, so yeah, they'd have nurses come wake us up in the morning. I, I, I forgot what time we did stuff, but what ended up, so basically how the daily regimen was, was wake us up, have us order have us check off a list of food items we would want for the next day breakfast mm-hmm. lunch and dinner so three oh, what
1: so, so so was it only specific items or could you like pick anything
0: there was a list of of multiple items per per, per meal
1: mm-hmm. i'm
0: not gonna lie man within like day three or four hours I, I was actually quite loving it actually <laughs> <laughs> because yeah like it was all just pampering it was just quiet you know obviously you know like obviously we didn't have any access to any you know electronic devices you know Mm -hmm. all that stuff my mom took with her Mm -hmm. so it was really only me and in a select few articles of clothing that my mom brought the next day along with just having the option to do whatever was available you know board games Mm -hmm. you know a lot of things to sketch and draw with an endless supply of certain little snacks in a fridge they had Mm -hmm. So if you were still hungry, even beyond those three meals, you were able to snack away at the stuff they had at a, you know, like, you know, in like a mini kitchen area. It was so nice. I remember eating endless supplies of bread and peanut butter. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It was, yeah, no, but. (laughs) That's such
2: a
1: weird thing.
0: It's odd. Eating bread
1: and peanut butter.
0: No, like, it was cute. It was, it wasn't what I expected. It actually wasn't depressing at all. It was actually a pleasant escape from everything. Mm Mm-hmm. I was, you know, and they actually had a nice television, you know, they had a television set with a sofa where, you know, you could pick an array of, they have so many movies. I just spent time just watching old movies that I, you know, that I remember watching as a kid. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, dude. (laughs) Just watching tons of movies and eating tons of peanut butter and bread with cranberry juice or apple juice.
1: What made you come up with that like did was there anything else that you could eat or was it just peanut butter and bread Those were really the main things
0: it was just like peanut butter jelly you know whole, you know loaves of bread in the fridge along with little packages of cranberry juice or apple juice so and since you know again i i i didn't care about my figure like i didn't care how much i would eat i would eat until i feel sick i don't care it tastes mm-hmm. good it's nice it's nice to just be pampered like that
1: So did you think you had an an eating disorder when you were younger? Or was it just kind of like a whatever?
0: No, no. I was just having a spree of just not caring. But I certainly never viewed myself or, you know, discriminated my own figure in a way. I never watched any of that. I would just eat whatever I want, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So those few days passed by really quickly. I ended up quite enjoying myself mostly because what I found endearing was the fact that I was the only male Mm -hmm. and since and every other person you know every other person in the facility was in the same age range as me I mean like I mean like I was still 16 at the time I was about to turn 17 Mm -hmm. um as well as most of the other gals and other peeps that were there in general Mm -hmm. and we would have moments where kind of like you know kind of like alcoholics anonymous meeting type things where we would meet up in like a circle Mm mm-hmm Within the next few days, I ended up bonding a lot with some, you know, with a lot of the people that were there. We would share our own little, you know, we had dedicated sessions every day, once a mm-hmm. day, where we would talk about what was bothering us. You know, we can go mm-hmm. into much of the details we want. We could hold back and reserve any details as much as we wanted. They no pressure at all. Completely open to whatever you wanted to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. But did you have to talk? Like in the no, movie? no, no, was no, no, like you
0: no, no. You, you no, you didn't even have to. They completely gave you the option. They were so great. Another bizarre thing about the whole experience was that every single day, at least one person that would leave the facility and one new person would come in the facility. Like, you know, like another person would come to replace them. I don't know if that was just coincidental, but dude, but here was one, one, one gal was rolled in like on a medical bed and everything as though she was like, you know as though they wheeled her in from having some you know from taking any damage from anything that happened outside the hospital or within the hospital or whatever
1: do you think she was 5150
0: or i don't know never asked never you know thought it Yeah, was that's gonna...
1: kind of rude to ask. i thought
0: it'd be rude to ask hey dude you were you rolled in on a medical bed man are you all right well clearly yeah. you're not all right if you're in <laughs> <laughs> clearly uh, you're
1: not you're not there honey yeah i've uh, never been i've never been to like a ward Or anything like that, but I feel like the only way they would, I would ever like go, is if I was fifty one fifty. Do you know what that is?
0: Is that like ODing? What is that? No. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? When
1: you're when you're fifty one fifty, it means like you're forced to go in, like you don't have a choice. Yeah. So like, I believe it's if you're a danger to yourself or others. So like, if you try and commit suicide, or if you try and hurt somebody else.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, that was a hidden, well, okay, well, the whole thing with me on the street, I think that actually was a hidden detail we kept from the hospital, actually, I think, if I remember. So technically, so technically speaking, yes, um, the status that I was in was, um, you know, was voluntarily. So I did have the right to leave, I just had to stay for, I think the minimum was three days, I think it was. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: We actually, actually, one night, we actually also did have a group of alcoholics, they actually brought in like adults, you, you know, like middle aged people who are dealing with alcohol. And struggling with addiction and stuff tell us their stories and such it was a bit you know like it was a bit uh
1: it was I, that's kind of weird though
0: yeah it was a bit out of place you know you know um like I appreciate the idea and the concept but like I don't think uh struggling with an addiction to alcohol was exactly what anybody in that room you know like people my age were exactly dealing with <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. well I mean maybe it was more for them than it was for you guys. yeah
0: I'm sure and so yeah it's always nice to hear people just talk about their problems because then it just encourages you to talk about your own problems you know
1: Mm -hmm. so after all of that happened to you and like fast forward to when you get out how do you think like that experience of being in there and, and and seeing that in person how did that change your perception of what it is like to experience a mental ward in real life versus in the movies
0: i respect them and appreciate them more than what movies and television shows depict them as mm-hmm. i believe i believe that they really can help i believe that they're actually trying to help people out especially you know especially but at the same time though i was a minor It's a whole different thing, you know, it's a whole different type of facility they have going there where they keep minors separate and adults, you know, legal adults. So (laughs) I've yet to see what the adult psychiatric ward (laughs) hospital is like. Maybe that will come up in my future. I don't know.
1: (laughs) But Well, I mean, let's hope not.
0: Of course. I hope I
1: never go. I (laughs) hope I never go. You just gave like You just made it sound like so fun. And I'm still like, oh, my God, please. At the
0: same time. Yeah. But at the same time, though, man, we're not minors anymore. I think I'm sure most most things that you can do in an adult are a lot more lenient and a lot more forgiving. And and I quote fun when you're a minor still.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) They try and keep you happy. Versus adults, they're like, listen, man, (laughs) it's a little different.
0: Yeah, so hence hence why I'm certainly a lot more iffy to try out to try out the uh the you know the maybe if I ever you know what man if there wasn't anything if we weren't in the if I actually had the free time and the availability I would probably experiment and do something to kind of see what it's like to be like in an adult you know psychiatric ward Mm -hmm. just out of curiosity you know like not because Mm -hmm. I think I really do need it anymore I'm certainly a lot better than I was you know three four years ago certainly Mm
2: -hmm. I just think
0: that you know I'm quite curious though to see what it's like but but once you know by the time I got out though actually if, if anything um it kind of opened up a new can of worms I think once I got out something I'm you know and it's something I'm still dealing with today I'm certainly making strides and making steps to to getting better with it but What I ended up telling myself by the time I got out, and this was, you know, at the end of January 2017, Mm -hmm. I officially told myself, that's it. I'm done associating myself with anyone at this high school, (laughs) at least.
1: Fuck everybody. (laughs)
0: Because, yes, fuck everyone. And to be frank, like, why would anyone want to be around me? All I want to do is just bring people down and make them miserable just because I'm miserable. And and I'm trying to and I'm here making my issues other people's issues when that's not cool at all. You know,
1: Mm -hmm, definitely.
0: If I'm going to be suffering, I might as well just suffer by myself and deal with it myself. And if I'm going to crash and burn again, might as well just do it by myself and not try to take anyone down with me anymore. Because who am I to do that? That's just, again, an asshole thing to do.
1: Yeah, but that's scary. That's like... Something, I always make sure I have someone that I can call because I don't ever want to isolate myself to the point where I'm, like, alone, you know? I think that's, like, and that's, like, a big part of my illness is, like, I have really bad separation anxiety. So, like, I don't know what I would, like, if I felt completely alone, <laughs> I don't know what I would do, you know?
2: Yeah,
0: I feel that. Definitely. So, But yeah, but like after right after all that and the remainder for my junior year and then going into that summer for 2017, Mm -hmm. I officially found and landed my even smaller group of friends that I'm still talking to today. And they're the only people from my entire high school that I'm still talking to. And I can easily, without a doubt, say that they're some of my best friends right now.
1: Well, that's good. It's good that you found somebody
0: like that. Yeah, yeah, it's good that I found people, you know, and I did know them for a while. I just never got close to them until after all that, you know, like after I decided to really just not talk to anyone. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: hey, you know, these few people seem all right. Let's give this one. Let's give this one a go. Oh, hey, I'm still I'm still really good with them even four years later, even almost four years later with everything. So I guess overall, the whole thing turned out again, (laughs) it could have it could have went worse.
1: Yeah, it could have. It could have. Definitely. It could have gone worse. But it didn't. It didn't go worse. So as somebody who experienced that, what advice would you have for maybe somebody that was that age or even an adult? Like, what advice would you have for them today?
0: Don't feel ashamed of having to take a moment of break and rest from everything in the world. Just because it's a location for the mentally, you know, you know, for the mentally handicapped, or the mentally ill, or, you know, even just the emotionally, you know, like, even the emotionally ill, or the emotionally dramatized people need help. That doesn't mean you're weak. It's completely I feel like it's kind of insane. To be honest, I think it's more insane for someone to just go through life without ever questioning their own, you know, their own mental health check. And, and, don't acknowledge and try to take some time off and to take some time away because I feel like anyone who can just go through life peachy clean like that without having to ever acknowledge and take a break from anything, I feel is kind of. I feel that's kind of. I feel that's more crazy than people who are who are actually admitted into these locations for help.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the,
0: these aren't bad places. Don't be ashamed to to take some time off if you have to. It's okay. Yeah,
1: and I definitely feel like everybody has their moments where they're crazy so even if you experience something that's completely out of the ordinary for you um don't take that as like a sure sign that you're fucked up or you're crazy because we all have bad days we all have bad days just if it's bad months you should probably go see somebody (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. But again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a sign of weakness. And it's not something that you should, and I quote, get over.
1: Yeah, or even be embarrassed of. It's nothing to be embarrassed about.
0: Do not. It's your own, you're human. That's normal, okay? Yeah. Be a human being. (laughs) Don't, Mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't swallow and block off the emotions that make you human.
1: I think that was really interesting. Um, Hopefully it gave you guys some insight on what it's like to be actually crazy, which isn't a bad thing. Now, before we come to a complete end, I'd just like to acknowledge the fact that it's been a minute since I've uploaded. 2020 left no stone unturned in um, a wild series of events and Unfortunately, my uploading schedule was significantly affected by it. But with 2021 rolling in, it's going to be a better year and better uploads. Uh, I know everybody's got to have a story just from 2020 alone. So I'm looking forward to that. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. And I hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye.